Welcome to Book Me, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. Today, Costas Halabrezos in conversation with author and wedding planner, Caitlin Bellafontaine. It's easy to tut-tut about the extravagant weddings of the rich and famous. Guests jetting in to an exotic location, tanker loads of champagne, and perhaps Sting and a few friends hired to pop by and play music at the reception. But even if you and your betrothed agree on the most modest and understated of weddings at the outset, there'll be no escaping the blizzard of details and decisions heading your way. Few couples have the project management skills required to plow through to the big day without stress and maybe even a few meltdowns. So, perhaps before setting up their online gift registry, the couple might do well to consult an East Coast wedding planner, a workbook and informative guide for couples planning a wedding on the East Coast. It's from the founders of Elegant Productions and Elegant Paper Company, Caitlin Belfontaine, Lisa McPherson, and Rebecca Dimmick. Caitlin has joined me today. Caitlin, welcome to Book Me. Thank you for having me. When I started reading, uh, the abbreviated month-by-month checklists struck me that it might be easier to begin climbing Mount Everest. What happens to couples who just stumble into wedding preparations without any kind of plan? So through my experience as a wedding planner for eight years prior to writing this book, I quickly realized that As soon as that ring is on her, you know, little finger, all of a sudden she's gone from everyday woman to now a bride. And when you're a bride, it's like you're suddenly flooded with nothing but inspiration, with flowers, with first dances, with wedding dresses, with colors, with venues and locations. And all of a sudden, there's this wave of information that's coming at you and also a wave of decision making that lies ahead of you. Now, what about the groom-to-be? The groom-to-be, now he, you know, it's 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 very couple dependent. So I I have found that there we have two types of grooms. We have the uninvolved groom and we have the incredibly involved groom. The uninvolved groom is kind of, you know, along for the ride. Put the ring on the finger and is now looking forward to the celebration on the actual day. Cares very little about the details between A to Z, but also always has an opinion when it comes down to the financial side of things. Now, there's the other type of groom who isn't quite often as portrayed in in the media and in, you know, in what you might think. And that's the the type A groom. It's the it's the groom who wants to be very involved in every single decision, but kind of stumbles because he he doesn't really truly understand what his place is because in in popular culture today the groom it's not actually you know clearly defined what his roles and responsibilities are are supposed to be when it comes to planning a wedding so what would you like to see ideally in in the couple who are going forward towards this big event Personally, what I like to see is a couple with balanced priorities. So a couple who both wants to be equally involved. She has the things that she cares most about. He has the things that he cares most about. And of course, in, in any relationship, in in um, lesbian and gay relationships as well, there should be an even balance of, you know, couples who prioritize each other and prioritize their guests. So what I find is the biggest struggle is when they both have very specific but differing opinions on the same topic. That's where we run into trouble. 
How many weddings have you planned over the years? Any idea? I, d- I don't have the exact number. I'm curious to find out. Um, it's over 200 weddings I've been involved with. So which element of a wedding do couples most often not pay enough attention to? I feel like when it comes to the wedding, I feel like it's that planning timeline. I feel like that planning timeline and setting a clear path of how we're going to get from engaged to I do that couples you know, they don't spend enough time on and that's how they get bogged down in the details. They're picking their first dance song before they've even chosen their entertainment. Now, I think the the least romantic part for a couple planning a wedding is probably the budget. Always is. Can that also reveal some issues about their relationship when it comes to dealing with financial matters? It sure can. And I find that It's almost like, you know, weddings were set up to be a test of a relationship. So you get engaged. Now you have to plan this wedding together. And it's this is, you know, truly the start to your married life and what will set you up to be the rest of your life, hopefully together. And the budget is something that very often couples up until this point in their relationship have never really had to come, you know, so to terms with. Perhaps they've bought a house or perhaps they've made other large financial decisions, but the budget-related elements and components of planning a wedding are so detailed. They're so high-level and small-detailed that it really it really does put couples through the ringer when it comes to planning a wedding. And they're different. I mean, even if they have bought a car or a house, there's a sticker price on those things. Easily. Yep. It, I but can... not with a wedding. It's kind of open-ended. Well, that's just it. I always say to couples, you know, it's very easy to pull up viewpoint and find out what the cost of a home that I'm kind of curious about in Sackville versus Halifax might look like. It's incredibly challenging to find out what the cost of an average wedding looks like. When I'm looking at Pinterest, you know, There is no resources that says the overall cost of this wedding was X. And one of the great variables is the invitation list, and that that has an effect on the budget. A very large effect on (laughs) the budget. So once you do have a budget, let's Mm -hmm. say we have that ideal couple. They've agreed on a budget. They're going to stick to it. What's the pecking order for who gets an invitation? Mm-hmm. So the pecking order for who gets an, an invitation, I think it should start small and grow out. So what we've said is, you know, first we want to establish the budget. We want to start getting a sense of the details of the wedding. What's the location? Because the location, the venue, the food, you know, specific elements with regards to the couple's priorities are going to determine how much of that budget we have available to, in fact, feed our guests. So if we know, you know, the breakdown of the budget before going ahead and inviting our guests, that can set us up for a lot of success. That can determine whether or not we can afford to feed 150 people or 40 people. You know, from there, that's when you start, you know, looking at your circle and and building outwards. Now, I I look through the flow chart you provide for making the the difficult and sometimes awkward decisions about whom to invite. Uh, For instance, for a friend who's a potential guest, You ask, have you spoken in the past 12 months? Mm -hmm. And the answer can be yes or no. Mm -hmm. But tell us what should determine whether you invite the person beyond that in your flowchart. So I believe, you know, true, the people who you're going to be celebrating this most special day in your life, they should be people who both are, you know, very close to you. I believe they should know 
both of you, or they should at least have, you know, an understanding of both of you. The most awkward situation that I find a lot of couples are put in is when they're meeting their guests for the first time at their wedding. Now, we're investing. This is an investment. To invite a person to your wedding, you're investing in that person. So there should be a mutual love and a mutual respect for each other. So when it comes to inviting, you know, friends, you know, I want our couples to be thinking about, you know, when's the last time we spoke into each other? And if it hasn't been since high school or university graduation, are we going to continue a relationship after the wedding? That answer might surprise you. It might be yes or no. And I think if it even sways a little bit towards no, cut them out. Now, what if it's someone you haven't seen in a long time but you know they'd be a lot of fun at the reception. <laughs> <laughs> you know they'd be a lot of fun in the at the reception. You know that's if it's someone that you haven't seen in a lot of time, you know they're going to be a lot of fun. Probably means you're going to make an effort to keep them in your life, so they should be at that reception. A social media have changed the way couples spread the word of their plan to get married. Do you have any cautions about how much information they should post and when? Absolutely. So when it comes to a wedding. I love the traditions that go into planning a wedding. And one of those traditions includes inviting your guests to attend this wedding in a formal way. So I'm going to go ahead and assume one of the last pieces of mail you received was likely a bill. Yep. If it wasn't, you know, when you're being invited to a wedding, you open that mailbox and you actually find a wedding invitation there. That's an excitement factor. It's something to get you looking forward to what you can expect on their wedding day. A lot of couples these days are opting to, you know, just use social media or use email or do e-invitations or create, let's say, a Facebook event for their wedding. And we're losing that sort of personal touch. We're losing the, you know, I want you to come and attend my wedding because I want to love on you and I want to give you a unique experience. You know, I've been invited to Burger Week and food truck rallies via Facebook. Why is the wedding, (laughs) you know, it's lumping the wedding in with all of these everyday events that we all have going on in our everyday life. And are there some pitfalls if if you announce it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, people might start assuming that they're going to get invited? Exactly. Oversharing and you're fueling more disappointment than you are excitement because when certain folks don't actually get that invitation, then they're going to feel disappointed that they weren't invited to your wedding versus if you just kind of held some of this information a little bit closer rather than releasing it on social media. Some couples pick the date and then go looking for a venue. Mm -hmm. Is that the right order? Somewhat. So I would say pick your time of year. Narrow down your time of year. You know, maybe you narrow it down to a specific month. You know, a lot of couples do say, okay, you know, the Labor Day weekend feels ideal for me, or perhaps New Year's Eve is the dream of mine. I think that's okay to pick your date before finding your venue if you're willing to have a bit of flexibility. But I would say pick your time of year and then look at all available venue options and therefore all available dates that come with that venue. You might fall in love with a place and and be willing to change your date because of it. But but what about the off-season opportunities? Mm-hmm. I mean, there there is clearly a, a peak time and you have yes. phrases like the June bride. It's true. All yeah. that. Are you better off looking perhaps at some other season? I I often encourage couples to look in the off season. I think um, I always say there's only so many sunny Saturdays. We live in the Maritimes. This book was 
written for the East Coast Bride. Well, what about the weather factor? Right? Exactly. So even in the summer. Even in the summer. You can pick the historically best Saturday in the middle of August to host your wedding. And we live in the Maritimes and Mother Nature might sweep through. And that's all, you know, down the drain when it comes to your perfect plans for your wedding day. So considering that, we always have to consider rain as a factor. So why not look at, you know, a late fall event? Why not look at getting married over the holidays or getting married in the winter? Your availability of vendors, of venues, flexibility, you know, it all opens up when you look at some of those non-peak wedding dates. Stationery has become a lot more personalized. Uh, aside from the actual invitation with mm-hmm. the self-addressed stamped envelope, yes. what, what other printed material should the couple think about? Yeah, so with regards to other printed materials for their wedding day, we often like our couples to think about it from the um, save the date. So inviting your guests to save the date before you have all of the information. You carry that design through to your invitations, which is truly to communicate the specific information your guests need on their wedding day. And then we pull elements of that invitation and save the date, and we reflect it in the design of the wedding. So things like a seating chart to inform guests where they need to sit, menu cards so that they know what to expect of what they're going to be eating, Um, table numbers, ceremony programs, signage, all of these things can be consistent with the invitations and actually play a really large element in the overall look and feel of a design concept for a wedding. What about setting some guidelines for the people who will actually speak at the reception? Because I think we've all been at those Mm -hmm. awful receptions where things go completely off the rails. We sure have. So I think guidelines are a great thing to set. I think one of the best things that a couple can do is to assign an MC. So having an MC, a master of ceremonies, to move along the flow of events. So with regards to our MCs, we like our MCs to invite guests to take a seat for dinner, get up to the mic or the podium, and to encourage them to you know settle down when it's time for speeches. Even settling guests down can take you know five to ten minutes if you don't have a proper MC to move those events along. Now, from MCs, let's go to DJs. Mm-hmm. Should there be a law against DJs who play those stars on 45 medleys of hits from the 50s <laughs> and 60s? Depends on the crowd. <laughs> if I've got a crowd that truly that is what is going to fill the dance floor all night long, then maybe that's the right DJ for them. I think when it comes to a DJ or any type of entertainment, the best entertainers pay attention to the crowd and, you know, what's going to have them on the dance floor all night long because a packed dance floor is truly what is going to stand out in guest memories when they leave at the end of the night saying, that was the best wedding ever, (laughs) when their feet are tired and their backs are sore the next day because they dance so much. That's the role of a good DJ or uh, (laughs) entertainer. What about authentically East Coast wedding elements, things you won't find in Toronto or Vancouver or Kingston, Jamaica. Yes. Okay. So this is why I wrote the book, because we are so, so authentically East Coast. And when I think about East Coast, I think about maritime hospitality. And that is what is a true reflection to me in the weddings that I plan and the couples that we we work with. It's in It's in their ability to make their guests feel loved on, cared for. It's in the fact that 
90% of our weddings somehow revolve around the ocean. You know, they are using the rugged coastalness of this amazing, beautiful part of the world that we actually live in as a backdrop to their day. When I plan events for couples who are hosting their destination wedding here, they don't even necessarily care about decor because they just so much care about, you know, the natural beauty that is the Maritimes. And they're so looking forward to serving great seafood. They're looking forward to late night donair bars. They're looking forward to a good foot stomping kitchen party down home music through a live band. There's so many things that make us so uniquely Maritime that couples are truly infusing into their day. Caitlin, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Caitlin Belfontaine, along with Lisa McPherson and Rebecca Dimmick, is one of the founders of Elegant Productions and Elegant Paper Company. They collaborated on an East Coast Wedding Planner, a workbook and informative guide for couples planning a wedding on the East Coast. To hear past episodes of our podcast, go to bookmepodcast.ca. That's bookmepodcast.ca. Or just pop bookme with an exclamation mark in your search engine. You can see a list of all the other interviews in the series, as well as some special audio features and readings by authors there. BookMe is sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. Our producer is Robin Grant, and Lynn Fox is the technical planner for our East Coast podcast. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Now, let's go read. Read.